Take your Bibles and turn again with me uh, this evening to Haggai chapter 1. Haggai chapter 1. Again, if you have trouble finding that, if you go to Matthew back up three books, you'll be right at Haggai. If you would please stand for the reading of God's Word if you're able to. <clears throat> Just didn't feel like I could quit at this point where we was in the Scripture here. We need to look at something here tonight. We'll begin reading verse 12. Then Zerubbabel the son of Shetiel. And the son of and Joshua the son of Josedak the high priest with all the remnant of the people obeyed the voice of the Lord their God. In the words of Haggai the prophet, as the Lord their God had sent him, and the people did fear before the Lord. Then spake Haggai to the Haggai to the Lord's messengers and the Lord's message unto the people, saying, I am with you, saith the Lord. And the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of Shetiel, and the governor of, of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, the son of Josedek, the high priest, and the spirit of all the remnant of the people. And they came and did work in the house of the Lord of hosts, their God. In the four and twentieth day of the sixth month, in the second year of Darius, the king. Look with me back in verse 12. Since Zerubbabel the son of Shetiel and the son and Joshua the son of Josedek the high priest with all the remnant of the people, and notice what he says here: obeyed the voice of the Lord their God. I'd like to preach a message I've titled "They Obeyed the Voice of the Lord." And let's pray. Father, we come to you this evening. Lord, I thank you for the blessed day that you've blessed us with. And we're thankful for the folks that are out tonight. And Lord, I pray now that you just give them a special blessing for being here. Be it those who, Lord, are unable to be here tonight, Lord, and, and are watching my live stream, Lord. I pray that you'd encourage them, strengthen them, Lord. And I pray that you'd meet the needs that they have in their hearts and lives. Now, Lord, I pray that you'd help us to do just as these people did. May we learn to obey and seek the will of God in our lives. Have your will and way, Lord, in the message tonight, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Be seated. Just a little recap we preached this morning. The, the people were building their own sealed houses. And that's if you look up what that means, that means luxury or paneled or uh, very nice, extravagant homes. They were building their own homes, but they was allowing the house of God, the temple of God, to lay in waste. They made the statement that it wasn't time yet. It just wasn't time yet to build the house of God. There was opposition from the, from the neighboring uh, uh, people, uh, the Samaritans and others that was there. There's also the opposition in, in the people because they would have to go up into the mountains and different places to gather all the building materials to do this. And so they said, it's just not time. Evidently, God doesn't want us to build right now. Evidently, this is just not the right timing. And so we need to just wait on this. And while they did wait, they were making their houses luxurious and they were doing all kinds of things for self and, and so forth. And they was neglecting the house of God, which had the name of God on it, which was to represent the Lord to the people, not only to that nation, but to the nations around them. We talked about how that God is very, uh, very adamant how important his name is when it's on something. That's why your life and my life should, should reflect uh, Jesus Christ instead of just living any old way in this world, looking like, acting like, and, and, and being like the lost world. And, and when we do, we do damage unto the name of Jesus Christ. Because as a Christian, you are the temple of God. We find there, and he said in verse 4, he says, it is, time, is it time for you, O ye, to dwell in your sealed houses in the house, and this house lie away? So the Lord sent Haggai to tell them, 
uh, to consider their ways and the reason of the, the leanness in their lives that they couldn't get past. You know, it seemed like they had work, but they couldn't amount to anything. They had food, but they were still hungry. They had clothes, but they were still cold. They couldn't get warmed. They could grow some crops, but they didn't amount to anything. And on with the list of things. They put money, it says you put money in the bag and it has, has holes in it. Otherwise, it doesn't go very far. Boy, we've been there before, haven't we? He said, there's a reason for that. He says, because you've laid waste and allowed the, the house of God to lay waste. The Lord then gave them a solution that we talked about. He gave them a solution. There were three things that they needed to do. Verse 8 says, go up to the mountain and, and bring wood and build the house, and I will take pleasure in it, and I will be glorified, saith the Lord. We talked about going up on the mountain. Hey, listen, the Lord says, draw nigh to me. He wants you and I to get close to him. He's not wanting us to be out in left field, folks. He wants us to get as close to him as we possibly can. Each and every day, there should be a desire in your heart and my heart. Man, how close can I get to God? Not, not worry about it. Here's our problem today. Most Christians are like this. God's on this side. The world's on this side. And we're trying to walk the line and stay as close as we can to the world without falling into the world and being like the world instead of getting over here and getting as close to God as we possibly can and say, I want to get this far because if I fall, then I'm not going to fall into the world. Hey, listen, we need to get as close to God as we possibly can. Amen. And too far, too often we straddle the fence as the old timers used to say. I'm going to tell you something, that fence is getting pretty wide. You're not going to be able to straddle it much longer. And the fact is, we need to be living for the Lord. But he told us to go up to the mountain, get close to God, bring wood. Otherwise, there's some building materials that's needed if you're going to build the house of God. And in your life, in my life, there's building materials that God has given us that we should take a hold of and begin to build this life for the Lord Jesus Christ, this temple of God, faith and, and love for the Lord and the things of God and, and obedience and, and faithfulness and on goes the list of things that God has placed there, the Word of God, prayer, that those should be building materials in our lives to, to strengthen us, the church, being faithful to God in church and being faithful to Him in every area of our lives. Those are building materials. We need those. We talked about how, the, hey, listen, it doesn't do no good for it to be over here. Can I tell you something? It does you no good to come and sit in this auditorium or sit in a Sunday school class and hear the preaching and the teaching of God's Word, word which is giving you tools and giving you materials to build with if you leave it when you walk out the door. Yeah, right. We need to take it home with us. We'd uh, enact it the very next day on, on Monday and on Tuesday and again on Wednesday and Thursday, Friday and Saturday. You need those building materials in your life daily to build, to grow closer to the Lord, to magnify Him, to build up this temple of God. And then He said, build. We've got to get busy. We've got to get busy. We can't just uh, wander around. Folks, too many Christians are sitting on the sidelines. Too many Christians are sitting idly by and, and not, not in, in, the, in the game, you might say, not in there serving the Lord like we ought to be. We need to be living for the Lord. We need to get busy. We're living in the last days. The Lord's getting ready to come back. We're seeing things fall apart all around the world. You look at what's taking place in the Middle East. You look at what's taking place with Israel. We've got to get busy. We've got to get busy. There's people in this area this, this, that we're in right here that we need to be reaching for Christ. 
There's people around the world that we need to be places. We need to be putting missionaries into those places and, and seeing the gospel go out. We need to be doing everything that we possibly can to build for the Lord. We laid out that we're that temple of God. And we need not to allow the temple of God to lay in ruin and waste. So come back tonight and pick up here in, in verse 12. I want you to notice the people chose to obey the Lord. They chose. You're sitting here tonight. You have a choice in your life. In fact, we have many choices. Someone once said, I don't know who said this. Uh, There's a little thing stuck in my mind many years ago when somebody had quoted. In fact, I think Brother Scott Miller was the one that I heard it from. I don't know where he got it. It wasn't original by him. Only two choices on the shelf. Choosing God or choosing self. Only two choices. You're either going to choose God or you're going to choose self. Well, preacher, I want to, I'm, I'm going to do both. Only two choices on the shelf. Choosing God or choosing self. There wasn't a choice in there, you and God. It's choosing God or choosing self. And when they made a choice, they made the choice of God. They chose to obey the Lord. Look at verse 12 there. So in San, er, and then Zerubbabel, the son of Shetiel, and Joshua, the son of Josedek, the high priest, with all the remnant, this was the people too, with all the remnant, those who had come out of Babylon, who had come back to Jerusalem, who had been building their houses instead of the house of God, obeyed the voice of the Lord their God. What, what was that he told them? And Joshua had been telling them, say, listen, or not Joshua, but uh, uh, Haggai had been telling them, say, listen, uh, the Lord, this is what God's saying, that you've been building on your houses and you've been uh, about concerned about yourself, but you don't have a concern about the name of God and the, and the house of God. And, and he said, listen, you need to build it. He told you to go up on the mountain, get wood, come back and begin to build. So they obeyed. So much of the time in our lives, it's not that we don't know what God wants us to do. It's that we don't obey what God wants us to do. You know, over the years, I've had people come to me as a pastor, even as a youth pastor, and say, you know, I really don't know what God wants me to do I, about this or that, you know, and everything. And I look at them, I think... You know what God wants you to do. There's a lot of people that are sitting idly by and maybe out of church. And they tell you, well, I just don't know where God will have me go to church. Well, you need to get in church. You know what God wants you to do. But you're making a choice. It's not a matter of that we don't know what we should be doing. It's a matter that we're not doing what we know we should be doing. And as we begin to serve the Lord, as we begin to do what He tells us to do, He will open more doors and show us more that we're to be doing to live for Him. So many times we want to know what's going to happen. Lord, show me five years down the road. says, why should I show you five years down the road when you won't do what I'm telling you to do this very moment? God's not, he's, he's not in that type of business, folks. He says, I want you to obey me. He said, I want you to do what I've told you to do. Obey me immediately. This thing of obeying God's word is a big deal. Let me say it again. This thing of obeying God's word, it's a big deal. Yeah. Too many Christians today 
Think, oh, what's the big deal? It's a big deal. I'm going to say it again. It's a big deal. And, and we, we need to learn to, to obey God's words. They will preach you, you know, <laughs> that book that you got up there, you realize how old it is? Well, I got somewhat of an idea. Well, it's out of date. That's where you're mistaken. It's very much up to date. In fact, it's ahead of its time. Amen. Here's something about it. It's ahead of its time. Because it already tells us what's going to happen. It already tells us how we're to live in those times. It tells us that who's coming back. It tells us about the, 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 the tribulation period. It tells us about the millennial reign. It tells us about uh, eternity, about heaven and all. Hey, it's ahead of its time, folks. Amen. Our problem is, is that we don't put enough stock in what it says. And yet it's been proven over and over and over and over and over again. Saul lost his kingdom and being the king over Israel because he didn't obey the voice of the Lord, but to jo chose to do things his way. Listen to this from 1 Samuel chapter 15. And Samuel said, Hath the Lord as great delight. Samuel came to, to Saul and and found out that he disobeyed the Lord. So hath the Lord, uh, hath the, the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to hearken than the fat of rams. Let me stop here for a minute. You know what he's saying? He's saying all the works that you could do in replacement of obeying what God has told you to do will be of no benefit. He said it's more important to obey than to offer the sacrifices. They did the animal sacrifices in, and, they had, and, and, and Saul had brought all those herds back. And when God had told him, said, when you go in against the Amalekites, Kill every person, kill every animal, don't bring anything back. And when Saul or Samuel got there, he found King Agag, the king of the Malachites, still alive with them. And they had brought all these herds in, and they said, We're going to sacrifice them unto the Lord because he gave us great victory. That's not what God told them to do. He said, Destroy it all. Destroy it all. And so he says, listen, he said, it's better. He said, behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to hearken than the fat of ram. For rebellion, that's what he called that disobedience. For rebellion is as a sin of witchcraft and stubbornness. Now, there isn't anybody stubborn here tonight, is there? <laughs> Can't quit pointing to, to, to your wife that way. <clears throat> Back there pointing at Joyce. It. You know what? We're all stubborn, aren't we? We're all stubborn. For as rebellion is the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because thou hast, notice what he says here, because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, he hath also rejected thee from being king. 
And Saul said to Samuel, I have sinned, for I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord by words, because I feared the people and obeyed their voice. Otherwise, he obeyed their voice. He obeyed what he wanted to do that made him look like big shot. As he comes back, he's going to do it his way instead of God's way. Folks, it don't work that way. The reason that we don't see holiness and godliness in our churches today it's because Christians are sitting back and saying, that's no big deal. That's no big deal. God don't, God's not interested in that. The reason we don't see people who are that godly example like we ought to be seeing it is because people are like, it's not that big a deal. To God, it's a big deal to obey. His word. To obey the word of God is so important. God said, I, I want that. Because see, all these other things, if we will obey the Lord, they will fall in the right place. And so we're to obey the Lord and his word daily and allow him to work in our hearts and lives. If we'll obey the, Lord, the word of the Lord, he's promised to be with us. And to bless us. He said, if you'll obey, he said, I'll bless you. I'll be with you. Jeremiah 7, 23 says, but this thing command I them, say, saying, obey my voice, and I will be your God, and ye shall be my people, and walk ye in all the ways that I have commanded you, that it may be well with you. He said, obey my voice. Preacher, we don't hear an audible voice. We have the word of God. We have the Holy Spirit of God. And we're to obey the leading of the Lord. Just as did the children of Israel when Haggai came and delivered the word of God. They obeyed. So should we obey the word of, the, of God and the Spirit of God. Why? What if we don't? I believe the same thing will happen in our lives. It'll happen in their lives. They'll have, you'll have leanness and you won't see the blessings of God and you won't see the hand of God and you'll see them, all that God can do in your life if you fail to obey the Word of God. So the Lord says, I want you to obey. It's important. And there was an understanding then that brought a reverence into their hearts and into their lives. Look in the verse 12. After he said, the, the, with all the remnant there, the people obeyed the voice of the Lord their God. Notice what he says, in the words of Haggai, the prophet, as the Lord their God had sent him. Otherwise, God had told Haggai what to say. And they obeyed it. They said, we'll obey it. And then it said, and the people did fear before the Lord. Can I tell you something that's missing in our day and time? The fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord. You say, well, preacher, is that to be just scared of the Lord? Not completely, no. I think that there is a fear of the Lord that should be in our hearts and lives is that if I don't do what the Lord tells me to, there's going to be judgment. That's, what, that's just like when I'm driving down the highway 
And all of a sudden, I look up in my mirror, and there's this car with, with uh, 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 highway patrol markings on it that, that uh, is coming up beside me, or, or I see it, and I can tell it's a highway patrol or on a two-lane highway where I meet them, and, and it's a highway patrol. And even though this is part of me, I have that thing set on cruise. I know that I've got it set on the speed limit. You know what I do? <laughs> I look at that speedometer. I see how fast I'm going. And right, I hit the brakes a lot of times. And I, I'm, I'm like, <laughs> you can ask Hunter and you can ask Janine. The majority of the time, I got the, I've got the, the, the cruise control on. Why? Because I know I got a lead foot if I don't have it on. <laughs> but it's, but there's, it's not that I'm afraid of a highway patrol. My brother was a highway patrol. I've rolled with highway patrols on, on, uh, with him on, on some of his, his, his deals as he worked and stuff. I, I appreciate the highway patrol. I appreciate our officers. I appreciate our police officers, our, our sheriff's department, and, and all those who are doing the job. I'm not afraid of them. But there is a reverence. There is an understanding in my mind that if they stop me, I'm going to start sweating bullets because I don't know why they stopped me. Yeah. <laughs> and there has been a time or two that I did not have the cruise on, and I met them, and I've had this. <laughs> Luckily, it was a four lane, and they couldn't turn around and come and get me, amen? Amen. And boy, you say, what'd you do? I put her down on cruise, buddy. I'm telling you why. Why? Because there is a reverence of fear that he may radio the next one back down the road and say, hey, watch this one coming through. Am I scared of him? No. But I realize that he has an authority over me in that area. Let's take it a step up. A major step up. Am I afraid of God that I'm afraid to talk to him or afraid to be in his presence? No. But I understand that he is that authority over me. And he's what keeps this little thing in here called the heart going ticky, 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 ticky. And any moment he says, that's enough, it's over. I don't care who your doctor is. I don't care if you're in the hospital. I don't care how quick the ambulance gets there. They will not be able to start it. When God pulls the plug, it's over. I don't fear that as much as one day the Bible says, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that he's Lord. And then it tells us, it says that every one of us shall give an account of what we've done in this body, whether it be good or whether it be evil. And that is when I begin to think, he is my judge. And I will come before him one day. And there is that fear that maybe I didn't take care of some things. And that I, there's that reverence of him of who he is. He's God. He created me. He is my Lord and yet, praise the Lord, he's my Savior. But my friend, one day he will be my judge. And there is a reverence of him and of his word. 
Boy, we need to get back that, that reverence. We need, hey, listen, uh, they believed and had fear for the Lord, of the Lord, a reverence for the Lord and, and for the things of God once that they had stopped considering their own ways. When you get so tied up in your own self, you don't fear God. It's all about you. We need to get back our fear, our reverence for the Lord and the things of God. Not just the Lord, but the things of God. Listen to just a few verses about, about fear of the Lord in our lives. Psalms says, Psalms 33 verse 8 says, Let all the earth fear the Lord. I think that would include us. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of Him. Psalms 33, 18, he says, Behold, the eye of the Lord is upon them that fear him, upon them that hope in his mercy. Hey, if we have fear of him, he says, I will watch over you. I will keep my eye upon you. I will take care of you. Well, I think that's a pretty good deal. He said, well, preacher, I don't quite understand. It's like this. As a child, I was never afraid of my dad. But I had a respect unto my dad. Oh, preacher, why? Because he carried this thing that was about 34 inches long most of the time. <laughs> it was called a belt. And it would come out of those, 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 those belt loops real quick sometimes. Say, well, you should have called him in. Oh, no, 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 no. Well, the whole time I was calling him in, he'd be working on the backside, amen? He loved me. Let me meddle a little bit. Parents, listen to me. You love your children? Discipline them. Do it right. Do it in the love of the Lord. I will not spank my children. Raise a rebel. Hmm? Do I have to take you to where the Bible says, spare not the rod? It's not talking about abuse. It's talking about discipline. God padded this thing back here for a reason. And for some of you, a real good reason. <laughs> that's not abuse. That's love. To raise our children doing right. But there was that reverence of my dad, knowing that he was that authority over me. And so I tried to do what he told me to do. Take it a step up. We have a Heavenly Father that loves us, cares for us, wants us to turn out right. And the Bible says that if you're without chastisement or correction, that you're not one of his children. And so there should be that godly fear. He'll keep his eye upon us. Psalms 34. I don't know why I got off on that. You, you just got me off on that, so I'll go on to the next verse here. Uh, Psalm 34, 7 says, The angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear and delivereth them. Boy, I don't know about you, but in this day and time, I want as many of the God's angels around me as I can get. Amen. With all the junk that's happening in this world and with all the attacks, of, I want that, that group of angels encamping round about me. He said, if you will fear me, he said, if you, if you will have, have a godly fear for me, he said, I will place a, a, a group of angels that will encamp around about you, and they'll deliver you. Amen. Psalms 111 verse 10 says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Boy, we need that today. 
We got a lot of people who are highly educated, but they don't have enough wisdom to get out of the rain. Common sense. God said, you want some wisdom? He said, fear me. He goes on, he says, the beginning of wisdom is, uh, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, a good understanding, have all they that do his commandments, his praise endureth forever. Proverbs 1.7 says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. You want to have some wisdom and some knowledge? Learn to fear the Lord. It says, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Proverbs 19.23 says, the fear of the Lord tendeth to life, and he that hath it shall abide satisfied. He shall not be visited with evil. We need to get our fear for the Lord back. Amen. Right. I've told it over and over. There's, there's a time there that you'd see it all the time, plastered on windshields of, or not windshields, but back windows and stuff of, of vehicles. No fear. It's in shirts. No fear. Can I tell you something? We need to get our fear back for the Lord. Too many today are living with that motto in their mind. Of no fear. Then we see here, because of their obedience to the Lord, they have the promise of the Lord's presence and blessing. Look at verse 13. And spake Haggai, the Lord's messenger, in the Lord's message unto the people, saying, I am with you, saith the Lord. Probably outside the promise of salvation, home in heaven, the greatest promise is when the Lord said, I'm with you. I'll be with you. Amen. Because, folks, we're going to face a lot of problems in life. I mean, just life itself has its problems. But then you throw in all the mix of Satan attacking you. You throw in all the mix of all the wickedness in the world. Hey, it sure is good to know that God's there with you. Amen. It sure is good to know that when you're laying in a hospital bed there that God's with you. It sure is good to know that when, when things are going south and going bad and everything, that God's there with you. Amen. When the Lord speaks of, I'm with you, He's not just speaking of being in the area, but being with them in their endeavors daily as they live for Him and, and put Him first in their lives. It's like this. I say to Justin, I said, I've got to go out here and dig up this water line out here. And Justin says, I'll go with you. Now, there's two things he can do. He can be in my presence and he can stand there and watch me dig the water line. Which ain't going to go over real well. <clears throat> or he can say, I'll go with you. And as we're walking out of the shed out there, he reaches over and grabs the shovel too. You know what? He is really with me when he grabbed that shovel. And I'm not talking about something to lean on. And we begin to dig together. He's with me. He's with me in presence. He's with me in the work. He's with me in encouraging me. He's in, with me in keeping me strong so that I don't just fall over with a heart attack because I'm the only one doing it and he's standing there laughing at me. He's with me. When he told those people, Israel there in, in Haggai, he said, I will be with you. He's talking about not just standing there watching you. I will help you. Amen. Folks, you want the Lord to help you? Obey him. 
Do what he said. Build the temple. Do that which will bring honor and glory to his name. And he will be with you in all those manners of life. Hebrews uh, 13.5, the latter part we quote so often, but it says, For he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Lord speaking here uh, of a combined effort with us in our lives to live for him and for his glory. Then in closing, the Lord then stirred up their spirit for the work of God. Look at verse 14. And the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of Shetiel, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, the son of Josedek, the high priest, and the spirit of the, all the remnant of the people. And they came and did, the, did work in the house of the Lord of the host, their God. Can I draw your attention to two things there? One of, a couple things there. One of them is this. The Lord stirred up these two leaders, didn't he? But read on past that. Stirred up the remnant. Who's the remnant? All the people. When they said, this was after they said, we will obey. When they decided that they would obey, God stirred their hearts. There is nothing like the stirring of God's hand in your heart and life to know that he's there and that he will strengthen you. He'll be there in that fellowship and to stir your heart and, put, and just be with you and, and see great and mighty things and, and see the hand of God moving in your heart and life and in the church and seeing souls saved and, and seeing Christians strengthened and, and seeing the mighty hand. We call it revival. God said, I'll stir your spirit. I'll tell you what we need today. We need a revival. We need a stirring of our spirit again to live for the Lord. Their hearts and their spirits were stirred by, the, by and for the Lord to serve the Lord that they might bring honor and glory to His name. Can I tell you, when God stirs your heart, it's going to be about Him. Amen. Not about you, but about Him. And you get to go along for the ride, amen. You get to be a part of it. He said, I'll stir your hearts. It's so sad to look out across an auditorium sometimes. Be preaching and God is just, you can just know that God's laying down the word of God and people are just sitting there like. Yeah. And there is no stirring. I've preached in some revivals before and I'm telling you what, you could ice skate down the middle aisle. Sad. And then I've preached in those meetings where, man, I tell you what, God was on that thing and you almost didn't even have to preach. God was just moving. Amen. And the Spirit of God was moving, people getting saved and, and people getting right with God. And I'm telling you what, you just had to say, Lord loves you. And it was on. I'll tell you something. When the church decides to allow God to stir their hearts, God will do some great and mighty things. It's beyond our understanding. We'll save souls of people who are hardened. We'll change lives. We'll bring people back to the Lord. I'm talking about wayward children coming back. I'm talking about saving hearts and people. We need a stirring, but there's so much deadness in the spiritual lives of Christians in our days. And we need that reviving and stirring of God. All this was done that the Lord might be glorified and draw all men unto himself. That was the whole purpose. 
There was a reason that he placed his name on that, on that temple, on that house of God, so that the nations and people around them would know that there was a God in Israel. Do you know why God put his name on you and me? As you receive Christ your Savior, so that the world will know that there's a God of heaven in your life. Amen. And oh, how there needs to be a stirring. Verse 8 there says, And I will take pleasure in it, and I will be glorified, saith the Lord. Lord, you want to, see, you want to make God happy? Obey, build the temple, glorify. Jesus said in John chapter 12, verse 32, And if I be lifted up from the earth, I will draw men unto me. Now he's talking there about going to the cross. But I believe that he's also applying that to the fact that if we will lift up Jesus Christ with our lives, he will draw others to him. That they might be saved. That they might live for him. Why build the temple? Because it's all about the name of the Lord. Bringing honor and glory to the Lord in and through our lives. But just like it did with those people there with Haggai, it's going to take obedience. Preacher, you ever have problems with obedience? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I try to figure out how to do it my way. If you'll be honest, you do too at times. When we decide to obey, God said, I'll be there. I'll be glorified. I'll take pleasure in it. We look at that as in the day of Haggai, but my friend, it's just as much for you and me today. Amen. Build the temple. Build the temple. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We love you. Lord, there needs to be a godly fear come back into the lives of Christians today so that there will be a godly fear among even the lost people of the world. I fear that one of the reasons that the world doesn't fear God is because Christians don't fear God anymore. Lord, help us to get that back. Lord, may you stir our spirits to live for you. May we go to the mountain. May we get the wood. May we, may we do the work that you will be glorified in our lives, that this temple will stand with your name on it, Lord, that, that people will see Jesus Christ in us and you will be glorified. Have your will and invitation, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand.